Hello and welcome to another edition of the Potters Podcast. Today we've got a packed show. First we'll sort of talk about the great result against Barnsley, a 4-2 win. Who would have thought that? Four goals scored. This week we're joined not only by one guest, but two guests as well. So we are spoiling you. So when you're ready, get a cup of tea or whatever you're doing, sit back and enjoy the Potters Podcast. First thing we'll do, we'll introduce the first guest. Now this bloke has got an extremely good podcast out that you should be listening to called The YYY Files. I've been on myself, certain people have told me I'm the best one, but I'm not going to go into that. I personally think it's Nigel Johnson, but it's Ben Rowley from YYY Files. Hello, Ben Rowley. Hello. How are we, all right? Nice, how are you? Yeah, I'm not too yes, bad. I'm very well, thank you. Good, good. We won. We did win. Um, what's that? Time this year or something crazy like that. It's, it's a crazily small amount, yeah. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, it's been a long time since we scored four goals in a game as well. So um, I didn't really know what to do with myself yesterday. I'm just glad I wasn't there for it. I know, yeah, I was myself. I mean, I didn't go. I mean, I was watching it on telly while it live stream, but I couldn't believe what I was watching after one game with a new man. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. The whole new manager bounce seems to be a thing that we've finally gotten. I know, um, yeah. Whether that was just because players were playing in their right positions, whether they actually decided they wanted to play for this one, whether something just clicked on the day. I mean, we seem to have got the look that Nathan Jones never did all in one game, uh, but they played reasonably well as well. And, you know, you, you, you just hope that after 45 minutes of a training session with, uh, with Michael O'Neill, maybe there's more to come yet. I know, it's it's fantastic to, I think, when we brought in a manager like Michael O'Neill after having Nathan Jones and Gary Rowett, you kind of sit there and think to yourself, well, you know, is it is it the board, is it, but to have a bounce like that, you can't really knock it, I mean, four goals, I mean, we played played them off the park, really. Yeah, I, it, don't forget that Barnsley haven't been playing well all season, I know they got promoted last season, um, and are new to this league generally but yeah we, we've we not been doing well against even the worst teams in this league so to have turned up finally and dispatched the number of goals that we did have as many chances as we did uh, deprive them of very few chances I'd like to think they, they did score two easy goals and I still think there's work to do at the back but uh, yeah I'm, I'm pleased with how we played considering that I was expecting us to be very disjointed uh, maybe not even motivated after just 45 minutes you know I expected those players to be really nervous going into such a crunch game but they didn't seem to be um, it looked like they were a team for once which is nice to see oh it, it is yeah I mean it was nice to see Ryan Woods on the pitch but anyway it's like I'll, I've said on I've already given you a big, up, a big lead up here that you got your own podcast out there but for me it's the best on Stoke at the moment uh, in YYY oh, thank Wi-Fi. you I appreciate it uh, so I'm just going to give you the chance now to tell everybody about it so you can get people listening more people listening to yeah okay absolutely so um the YYY is basically our Stoke City stories uh, and they're told by Stoke fans uh basically I invite any Stoke fan that wants to be on there to come and share their story about Stoke City basically I sit there and interview them for an hour or two and we talk about whatever they want um I've had some great people on there I've spoke to Nigel Johnson uh, I spoke to guys from the Bear Pit, I spoke to guys from Stoke Loud and Proud, uh, that's coming up soon, I spoke to guys uh, from the Wizard of Dribble, but I spoke to a whole number of people, including yourself, and <laughs> the good thing about them, um, none of them 
unpredictable. You never know what you're going to get with each and any one of them. And it just shows the great variety of the Stoke fan base, I think. You know, I've, I've interviewed people from abroad. I've interviewed people from different areas of the country, people who's been supporting Stoke for five minutes, people who've been supporting Stoke for 50 years. So it, it just adds a nice bit of variety. And there's lots of talk about uh, Stoke City, how they are at the moment. But I think it's just a nice opportunity to uh, reflect back and talk about Stoke in the good old days, some people would say. Um, so if anybody wants to find it, I'm sure instead, um, if you search at the YYY files on social media, that's the letter Y, not uh, the word Y, the YYY files, uh, no dashes, no spaces, no caps in that handle. Uh, have a go. Some of the episodes are quite long, so I can appreciate if you just want to sit and listen to them in maybe two or three bits, but I... I'd like to think it's worth a go, and luckily the uh, the few people that have found this podcast so far think so too. So let's hope it's let's hope it's something to cheer us up in the meantime while Michael O'Neill's bringing us one of the best Oak sides we've ever seen, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll second it. I think it's a fantastic podcast. I, I think it's interesting and it, it gets the word out to Stoke fans. So the more people who listen to it I think the better I mean I've got myself on like you said made an absolute yeah. clown of myself by forgetting to put centre-backs in my team and <laughs> 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 yeah, <that was> <laughs> rushed straight through yeah it's a really good one I mean the Nigel Johnson one's a good one but another thing about the Bear Pit where, where, where have they gone what's happened to their podcast have you noticed it's not been on this season oh well I mean Elliot Hatney the guy that runs it, it he's you know, a social media giant, really. I think that's fair to say, respectively to, you know, somebody like me in particular who who just does this for fun. Social media is, is his job, and he's been involved in, you know, we just had the YouTube boxing fight at the weekend. He's been involved in some capacity in that, and he's doing work at Racing Post, and that's his baby, really, and, you know, perhaps he needs people to support him if the bear is to continue, you know? It's, it's, it's hard, so I... I I don't think he's doing it just because Stoke are not as good as they once were, although, of course, that certainly helps. But it can be hard to talk about Stoke every week when they're not doing so well. I'm sure you've been doing that all season. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah, like, tell me about it. It, <laughs> it is tough, but, you know, I I was on the Bear Pit TV and with them for many, many years, you know, and I, I, I love my time there and I wouldn't have done, um, I wouldn't have been able to start the YYY files, for example, without it. So, you know, full props to them and, and hopefully it doesn't go away because I know that some Stoke fans love the bits and bobs they do on YouTube and social media. So, yeah, I hope it sticks around and you're right, they've gone quiet. That's not to say they won't come back. I think there's a, there's a few now out at the moment. I'm, I'm quite impressed there's that many Stoke fans willing to do these things. I mean, I just did it off a whim and thought, go on, we'll do it. And I, I really enjoy it. I think more people should do it, really. I think getting get used to it is a bit of a bit of an odd task. I mean, listening to our original ones, you'd understand, and the early ones, it takes a while to get used to. But, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to hear more from the Bear Pit and Elliot and all them lot. I mean, to be honest, I'd love to get them on here as well. I mean, you're obviously the first big guest, as I can call it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you did me a favour putting my, you know, talking about my podcast when it hadn't even started at that point, so I thought I'd do the favour back, and, you know, it's great to see. So we'll go back to football. So how did your footballing life start as a Stoke fan? How did it get going? Oh, God. Um, so for me personally, it was back from a free ticket that I got for sort of attendance at school or something good I did, you know, something like that. And I didn't think anything of it. I wasn't that excited about it. Um, 
I went with my dad. I think it was uh, Birmingham back in 2009, I want to say. I think we lost 1-0. Uh, Seb Larson played, and I remember him getting uh, boos and jeers the entire game. But it was that atmosphere that just made me fall in love with the place. I, I just hadn't heard anything like it. I was, I was a sporty kid, um, but I was a swimmer, personally. I, uh, I swam for Stoke, I swam for Staffordshire, uh, I swam for the West Midlands as well. But it's a very... Uh, isolated sport like you're in the water on your own being a participant in a football game was just something unique really just being part of something bigger and it was so social and collaborative so it was something I just wanted to happen again you know and it was right on my doorstep you know I lived probably an hour's walk from the stadium max so it was something I actually persuaded my parents to to do. I went to more and more games, mainly in the Cup to begin with, and the ugly game when I could pick them up. Uh, and then season tickets from there on in. and it, Yeah, it just sort of grew from there. It became very addictive. And, you know, it's it's the fans that have driven that the whole way through. Yes, of course, they've been very successful in that, you know, in, in this decade, I would say. But that wouldn't mean anything if, you know, the fans weren't so social and social media's helped with that. Uh, the social pages I've worked with has helped that. Just just being there and meeting so many Stoke fans has just been wonderful as well. You know, it's 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 such an addicting thing. Yeah, I don't really know what much more to say about that. It's 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 just noble really. I don't know when I decided to become a fan in the first place. It just yeah, it just happened one night, I think. So you weren't forced into it like I was with your dad? No, that's the thing. My my dad was aware of Stoke City. Um, he's from Bentley, uh, but he never he never supported them, I was going as far to say. We were aware of Stoke going up. Uh, we didn't necessarily celebrate Stoke going up. Uh, we were just, you know, pleased for them, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then that sort of first season passed and rolled into the second season. That's when I started attending for the first time. I think it was only... 12, 13 at that point at a guess uh, so I was I, I was a late bloomer into football generally I wasn't a football fan at, like at all so no it it, it, it certainly wasn't forced down my throat it was a I was a late bloomer into football definitely yeah that's, that's good to see then <laughs> I mean, so who was the player that you think inspired you to be a Stoke fan the player that you'd think wow the player that you think were the first player that got you interested in supporting Stoke oh see the only times I ever played football as a kid I would be put in goal simply because I just wasn't interested in football and I was one of the few blokes at school that wasn't uh, so I'd be stuck in goal and I got quite good being in goal over the next couple of years or so and as I started to follow football more um, and I think that was partially because of Tommy Sorensen so I think I, I wouldn't necessarily say he's my first favourite player because it's not something I've reflected on too much, in all honesty. But if I was to say someone who I'd have had on the back of my kit, if he, if he was an actual outfield player, I'd have probably gone with Tommy Sorensen. You know, he was such a good player. And I think goalkeepers are always underrated in the team. Um, unless they're thrust into the media spotlight, uh, maybe like Jack Butler was with England and Begovic when he got linked with Chelsea. You know, Sorensen was brilliant. And think of the penalty record he saved and one of the big reasons why we stayed up and did all those good things in the league in the first place. I know we then got replaced eventually, but I think of that uh, FA Cup run. I think Begovic was our regular keeper in that season, but Sorensen was our cup keeper. And we certainly wouldn't have got to the 
the Wembley final without him. So if I was to say the the first player to get me into it, I, I think it's got to be Tommy personally. Yeah, he was he was a great goalkeeper for me. One of the best free transfers in the club's history for me as well. Yeah, got, yeah got absolutely. Yeah. So you, you were. You came into it quite late compared to me, then, didn't you? I mean, you. I mean, how old were you when you started going? Uh, as I say, I think I was probably twelve or thirteen. It was definitely the start of like sort of maybe secondary school um, and that sort of things. I may have been um, invited to go to games when I was very little. Um, I think, from memory, actually, I did play on the Britannia Stadium pitch. I don't know whether it was half time or something like that. Uh, just as like a, I don't know if it was a birthday party or something like that, like an academy thing. I don't really remember. It wasn't anything serious, but I, that that's not a memory that lasts in my head. The the first memory I have is that Birmingham game. Um, so I, yeah, I was I was definitely a late bloomer. Didn't even wasn't bothered in football at all, and that's quite strange considering I spent thousands of pounds and thousands of hours on it since. <laughs> so. They did quite well, Stoke City, giving away that free ticket, and that's why I always appreciate them doing stuff there um, in schools and in the community because it's it's the best way to get the new fans in, really. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean they're good at that Stoke car. They are good at that. I mean, we'll go into it now about the what do you think the state state of the club is? What do you do? You think the upstairs is being run right? What would you change? What what do you think's wrong with the club at the moment? Oh God, where do you start? Um, <laughs> So we have achieved massively by getting into the Premier League in the first place. I think anybody would admit that. Um, and then overachieved even further by staying up, uh, getting to an FA Cup final and being in the Europa League. An absolutely remarkable time for the club. I hope it happens again one day. I definitely hope it happens in my lifetime. But it was, it was just a wonderful thing. And, and the, the rapid acceleration that we were on, I don't think anybody really recognised at the time. Maybe it was only Tony Pulis who sort of realise that okay, you know, for the first couple of seasons forty points is okay. Um but apart from that everybody I wouldn't say got carried away, but it was it was just far too exciting to be thinking of anything bad. And then with Mark Hughes, uh the club got rid of Tony Pulis obviously and brought in Mark Hughes to sort of continue that ambition and for you know a couple of years again that worked. We we developed into a really good footballing side who dispatched some are the best teams in the league. You know, I'm thinking my new Man City game stick out. Liverpool game obviously sticks out. But then I think our our chickens come home to roost a little bit. Um, I think the defensive solidity that we built under Tony Pulis was eradicated eventually uh, by Mark Hughes, and I think that was the foundation for him to go and play his attacking football. The signings we were making, Mark Hughes having more control over the signings than the club. I've only just realised recently that, that that approach from Everton really threw Mark Hughes off. You know, that was the start of our decline, wasn't it? It was that sort of period where we were signing bad players. Uh, Mark Hughes didn't seem to have cared as much about our decline. He didn't seem to have changed much anyway. And then we all know what happened from there. But I, I, I think the main reason for our downfall, Stoke have always been very conservative financially. And that sounds a bit odd considering we've signed the people like Berahino for 12 million and Bula for 17 uh, Kevin Wimmer for 18 I think or you know some, some crazy figures like that figures that we didn't think we'd ever be spending um, I think the only time I think we've ever really splashed out with it without any hope for a team is Peter Crouch and I just think that that sort of director's style 
football worked at a time where we were successful, as I say, like in that sort of FA Cup Europa League era where we would buy players for bargains and we'd do well. But I think the time for bargains is over pretty much and has been for quite a while. Yes, you can pick up the odd bargain here and there, definitely from the lower leagues and abroad. But we we rarely did that, you know, we always went for uh, some big names and it it just it just came home to bite us and we never taken any risks financially to then grow again and I'm talking on and off the pitch, you know, think of the lack of development off the pitch. We've only really just got car machines for goodness sake. Oh and here um, we are. yeah. <laughs> and and, and, I, and I'm talking as well about the lack of a fan zone, the lack of anything around the club, the lack of any other reason to be there on a match day other than the match. And on and off the pitch, the the lack of investment for the future without, I'm, like I'm talking about people like Mbulu, we bought him for 18 million, I'm assuming, because we expected to sell him for 40 million in a couple of years, and that's how we made some money. The club obviously didn't expect us to go down, and Mbulu's value to be divided by 10. You know, like, well, uh... it, 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 it was... It, that was the gamble that didn't work and there was no safe financial investment I feel in Stoke City and that's why they fall and that's why I think if we're not careful in the future with how we make money from the sales of players and that sounds like we're going to be in some financial trouble definitely in FFP trouble so hopefully that changes soon and the club have a plan for it well I mean I, I agree with a lot of what you said there but for, for me we we took gambles because we weren't pay, weren't willing to pay the going rate for the players that we did want in the first place. Exactly right, yeah. I mean, um, it's like Jerry and Bueller. For three weeks of that January window, we're, at, we're after Alex Witzel. They wanted 25 yeah. million. We wouldn't pay. Zenit got annoyed with us and stopped talks. So and then we panicked by and goes, Marky goes, oh, remember that lad who played well for us against Porto? Let's get him in. It's a lot of money gamble, really. I mean, he was only at Porto half a season. He was getting booed every week because he couldn't be bothered. So, you know, alarms ring. I mean, for me, we can we can sit and say it's Mark Hughes' fault and stuff like that. But for me, the, the a lot of the fault comes to the board. It comes to the board at this time. I mean, we can't really be moving. I mean, we brought Gary Rowett in. And again, we didn't get his number one picks like Matt Ritchie, Sam Vokes at the time and... Ben Osborne and Ben Pierce, and we went for cheaper versions. And we'd always and, bargain for a couple of million quid as well, yeah, and then spend the most random money on players. It, it just it's so frustrating seem to make an awful lot of sense sometimes. We'd yeah. be signing people that we didn't need, like we didn't need Kevin Women. We had a lot of centre backs. We just yeah. Yeah. signed Bruno Martins Indy after his loan like, uh, the previous season, and he was great. Sure, Cross and Martins Indy would have been perfect at the back, and we signed Kevin Women for what? And we spent so much money when we could have done with, what, another central midfielder to replace Glenn Whelan? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Someone to replace Bojan? Yeah, it it was an odd, odd time. And I don't, the owners as much, yes, they're probably uh, the ones who made the decision. Oh, of course. Like, I was just going to say that they're... They're, they're probably the kingpins in hiring managers and all of the ones in recent history have gone poorly Mark Hughes Gary Rowett who I think was starting to build something but his mouth got the better of him and Nathan Jones who again I think was building something but didn't get the run lock he deserved and probably you know he's a young manager and made far too many mistakes at the start of the season and of course that's got to, to come on the board's head but what's concerned me more is not those appointments because I think 
that we'd all agree that Gary Rowett and Nathan Jones were positive appointments. It's how they were handled, and the board only sets objectives. That's what I think. That the, the owner sets objectives, and they hand out the money for the club to go and achieve. I think the direction when those people have been in place have been wrong, and I think a lot of that has come down to Tony Scholes personally, just because of the lack of. I'm not going to say investment because investment is the wrong word. I think the misuse of investment in some places. I I just think about the stuff off the pitch as well. You know, I don't think the fans would be in such a dire state as they were. I'm thinking of when Gary Rowett got sacked. We were in a good place in the league. I think easily top half, pushing for playoffs. Am I right? When Gary yeah, Rowett yeah, got we, sacked, we were doing quite like well. That. Yeah, we went ten unbeaten, we, didn't we? We were doing well, but but the fans were furious. Um, and 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 Rowett said she was stupid in the press, and that's why he left. Um, he was doing a decent job, though, wasn't he? Really? Oh, of course. But but if the fans were a little bit more positive and were were told to have been a little bit more patient, then I reckon Gary Rowett would still be in a job now. Oh yeah, personally. yeah, yeah. And we'd be in a much better position than where we are now. And I just think there's been no consideration into where some of the money has gone in this football club and. Yeah, the development off the pitch for me, more towards the fan side, has not been good enough. It just hasn't. We're having to make our own content. You know, we're doing it now. I've been doing it. Loads of fans have been doing it. As you've been saying, they've started off all over the summer just because the club is not giving us enough of what we want to be happy. Oh, oh yeah, it's been going on a long time, Auntie. I mean, there's yeah. never any content. We never know what the players like. I mean, it's like just simple little things like, you know, meet and greet. He is... He is Liam Lindsay. Yeah. He can't kick a ball, but he's he's a lovely bloke. You know, exactly right. <laughs> I just think of we loved Bojan and Munieza. I think collectively, maybe not up until the time Bojan left. I know a couple of people were divided on it. Um, I'm sick of the name. Yeah. Sick of it. Brought me but, back to me there. I've just got my hands in my hands. I'm going to cry in a minute. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. YouTube channel. Yeah. And people loved it. Yeah, yeah. Why can't the club do something as stupid as that? Put, I don't know, put Liam Lindsay and Danny Bart in a room and make them play Connect Four. You might not get the same result, but, like, yeah. just something as stupid as that. Just took a bit think, of entertainment, yeah. It, it, it just feels so unrelatable at the moment. I, mean, I, yeah. I don't feel anywhere close to the club. I definitely feel like a spectator. I don't feel part of it. And that's why I got into football in the first place I felt that I was part of the reason why Stoke City were doing so well being part of that crowd and now I just don't feel like that at all I, know, I think I know. a lot of fans feel the same way I mean, it's like Chris Ulumo, he's sat upstairs somewhere, supposed to be an interviewer and a presenter or something, but he's not presenting anything, he's done, he hasn't done anything for oh, two yeah, years. We we'll see him on him. the touchline some match days, don't we? Yeah. I, think we I think we employ him. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> employ him. It's not like a one-off thing. Yeah, like, yeah. there's something, surely, that can happen within this club that can be brought in with no financial burden, no financial front car that can just make us a bit happier yeah. surely well that comes down to Tony Scholes don't you and to be honest I think he's just money I think he just thinks money all the time yeah, I mean it's like when you yeah. talk about the players where we say oh you know we miss it I mean we missed that on it, Harry Maguire for what yeah. was it four million four million yeah. for how much Vince cost how? us how much he's cost yeah. us in the long run it's just and to again, me don't get me wrong like, like the recruitment 
every team allowed to make mistakes, as in like, who was it, Javier Pastore was going to sign for us, uh, but Tony Pulis deemed it to be too short, yeah. and now yeah. he's a PSG, Roma, you know, he's, he's, he's won a lot of things, he's, he's a fantastic player, we never signed him. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and, and the same thing's gone for a lot of players, but I, I think you're right, we've had more... <laughs> We've had more misses than hits. Where I do, there's another one for you. Juan Agadello, yeah. Breck Shea. They, they go on. <laughs> they go on. But it's, it's it, like a similar thing to that as when, when, when uh, Koeman was at Southampton. Yeah. And, he, and he said he wasn't. He didn't like the look of Sadio Mane. He said, I don't think he'll cope in the Premier League. But the board signed him anyway and said, well, if you want to use him, use him. By the end of that yeah. season, he scored the quickest hat-trick in all time. Two, four goals scored <laughs> and, and moves for 30, what was it, 42 million to Liverpool. So, yeah. you know, sometimes it proves that you know managers don't always know what a good player is I mean Nathan Jones and Rowett have proved that it's it's one of them really so so at the moment the, the recent cup years watching Stoke haven't put you off being a true potter or you decided to stop going and becoming a rugby fan or something or a tiddlywink no. <laughs> there's, there's definitely no other sport for me I don't think unfortunately um, <laughs> otherwise I'd have been well off no I'm kidding um, I I I'd be lying, and I think any Stoke fan would be lying if they said that they'd fell in, that they fell out in love with it just a little bit. How can you not? With all the success that we had, you're bound to feel less involved and less passionate about it now. Don't be wrong; you can still have a passionate opinion and be angry, uh, and I am, and I always want the best for Stoke and always will. And I spend probably half the time I spend away from work and not asleep is about Stoke City. Uh, and that's the way it's going to be probably the rest of my life now. But I, I can't help feel disconnected a little bit. I, I think the whole reason probably why I've not disconnected even further is is the fans and the social stuff and the podcast has really helped. Uh, stuff like this and I listen to the Wizard of Dribble regularly. You know, Bear Pit have their stuff going on sometimes. Don't let them proud are always posting. And there's, there's Duck Magazine that... Oh, people buy every week there was the outcake of course which is now sadly gone but that still goes with the message board and it's 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 that that keeps us going because who otherwise would want to be talking about a club that's losing every week don't be wrong people might say oh you're not a proper fan or something just because oh yeah that's just pure rubbish i still love stoke but you can't help feel that i don't feel like i am as in control or at least have as much of an influence as i much as I used to, which is weird now. I'm the host of my own podcast, and I have less of an influence now than I did when I was a 15-year-old kid watching Stoke at the height of their prime, just because they made me feel like I was part of it. And it it doesn't anymore. Um, No, it's not put me off, generally, and the main reason for that is because of the fans, but I think anyone would be lying if they said that they felt the same as they did during Stoke's prime. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the people who normally come on social media and go, oh, you aren't a proper fan. You, you know, it's these people who go, come on, get behind them, get behind them. Most of the time, they don't go. Let's let's be honest. I mean, I mean, I, I've been going since I was well, since I could walk probably, and I've been going every year. And there's no there's no way anyone could sit there because I mean, I've had this before under Peter Coates in the nineties when I was really young, and I remember him. It's very similar to now. I'll be brutally honest, where you kept bringing in managers, none of them were working, like Chris Kamara, Joe Jordan was one at the time as well, Brian Little, he put a lot of placement in. And I've seen all this before where, you know, we, he, he doesn't seem to, he, like if you look at how many managers Peter Coates has hired over both stints, 
he's not had a lot of success I'll be brutally honest there's only been two managers that have been you know what you deem as successful managers Pulis and Macari I mean when I sit down and, and listen to these a lot of these fans that come on and go oh you know you're not a proper fan you, you're better off down Vale I, I start realising that most of them are sat at home listening to it on the radio having a big he's not a fan and you, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can it's in the voice really you can tell I mean, don't feel guilty yeah. about it being down. It's 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 the modem of football, isn't it? When it's just up, down, up, down. It's just how it goes. Right, so we're going to wrap this up soon. But before we go, I want you to tell me who is the worst player you've ever seen at Stoke. Oh my goodness! Now this is um, this is what I've always liked. I was like asking. Christ. Well, not necessarily the worst, but I'll tell you the biggest disappointment for me was Michael Owen. Um, <laughs> I, 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 the thing is, I was only what, 14, maybe 15 when we signed Michael Owen uh, but of course he was one of the greatest players that England's had, he won a Ballon d'Or for goodness sake yeah, yeah he did yeah. Um, and I had him, he's the only player I've ever had on the back of my shirt, simply for status, you know, yeah, signed yeah. Michael Owen it, it was cool, and he was just so disappointing, <laughs> six starts, one goal, and I really thought that, oh, we've got a proper number nine, number ten, whatever you want to call him, like, he, he I thought he was going to be brilliant. I thought he was going to catapult us to new heights. And don't be wrong, he was he was 34 or something. I didn't expect him to be there for a long time, but I thought that season was going to help us attract some of the really big names and, and catapult us. And he just never did, did he? He, he, no, he, was, he was just there for a payday. Yeah, and I think um, <laughs> on, in, in hindsight, it was very stupid for me to be optimistic, but then uh, the perks of being a young fan. <laughs> so I... I I learned a lot from that. Yeah. The worst player I've ever seen at Stoke. The worst, yeah, because we can't see it on Michael. Uh, I understand what you mean with Michael, and I was yeah. devastated, but he didn't really play a lot, did he? No, I mean, he worst, know. like the worst you've seen in a Stoke shirt. It's, it's, I think it's an odd task because you have to really think back. I mean, like Mark, who would normally do the podcast, he should be here soon anyway, he might be on in time. <laughs> His was Idaho Johnson because <laughs> he had him on the back of his shirt, and I think the only thing he did was that pass. To yeah. turn shy for that goal against Man United, that's all he did. <laughs> I'm, I've been very lucky in that I've never seen any truly awful Stoke players. Um, however, Michael Kiley put in <laughs> yeah. the worst performances I've ever seen in red and white. I think it was a cup game, was it against Fulham? After, I, don't, uh, I don't think he ever turned up, did he? To be honest, Michael Kiley. <laughs> we, we signed him because he broke Jonathan Woodgate's legs. Basically, um, yeah. And, <laughs> and I think he played uh, for Stoke as well, didn't he, Woodgate, at the time? Well, well, that's the thing. So, so I remember Jonathan Woodgate played it right back uh, for Stoke once against Wolves, and uh, Michael Kitely and uh, Matty Jarvis, I think, just absolutely tore him apart within half an hour. Woodgate got a yard card and got subbed off at half time. And I think on that basis, we signed Michael Kitely just because we couldn't sign Matty Jarvis. I can um, remember when we signed him. Was. Just not very good. Bless him. I'm sure he's a lovely bloke. He seems it, um, and he did very well for Wolves. And I know he played for Burnley, but he just wasn't very good. So sorry, Michael. Um, it's 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 slim pickings really because there's not been many bad players. But yeah, I think you've got to be up there, my friend. I'm sorry, mate. Say Olaf and Johnny, Amdi Fai, Moedu. Do they yeah. not tempt? <laughs> you see, I oh, I don't have very many memories of Olaf and Yane. Um I don't even have very many memories of Mohamed Sidibe. Not as if I put him in that category. Uh, yeah, he, sort of, he couldn't yeah. take a shot. He couldn't take a barn over machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, 
but but no, I, like I'm certainly not putting them in that category. But the, it's going to sound really <laughs> dodgy now, but I I really got involved players and recognised good and bad football probably during the Wembley season because um, that's when I just went to a lot of games and and not being in football before that, I didn't appreciate how you were a good footballer. If that makes sense, I don't know what made you good to be a footballer. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, Mark yeah. McCartney's a good shout, it is a very good shout, to yeah. be fair. It is difficult, because you haven't been around, around like when I was, you know, because you, you just weren't the right age. I mean, when I went yeah. to, I got some real choices, Brian Smalls, oh, Kyle Lightbourne, uh, Dave Brammer was garbage. I mean, there's quite a few, yeah. to be honest. But anyway, this has been brilliant. I hope we can, we can get you on again in the future. We're always looking for guests and bring people on. So I'll, I'll thank you again, Ben, and make sure that everybody listens to the YYY files and gives it a go because it's a fantastic podcast. So thanks for that, Ben. You're welcome. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks for having me. And you know where I am if you need me again. Uh, yeah, please give the YYY files a go if you get the opportunity. It's a bit longer than this podcast, I believe, so you might have to. Uh, set some time aside if you do want to give it a go but hopefully it's worth it for you yeah yeah cheers for that then Ben thanks for that mate to up thanks mate well what a guess that was Ben Rowley from YYY fans you haven't been on it yet have you <laughs> no I haven't mate yeah Mark's with us now he's, oh. with, he's with us now <laughs> put your team out stick down on I mean <laughs> <laughs> after watching Liverpool win the title basically well it's just still a long way going in that but but speaking of titles, a stoke back. Are we, are we going for the title now, Michael O'Neill? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Four-two, <laughs> Sam Lucas, <laughs> two worldies. I mean, even Charlie Adam would be proud of that first one, halfway line drive like that. I think, uh, I, I think Michael O'Neill probably wasn't expecting that. Result. I don't think anybody was expecting right. that. I mean, one training session. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, you do it wrong. <laughs> you need to do it like that. Pass it forward. Stay on. Look at that goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great results. Four-two. Uh, Sam Lucas with a goal from the halfway line, but four goals. Yeah. Was it 80, 85 games or something I read? Or 82 or something since we scored three? It's been a long time. Was it? I think Mark Hughes was in charge last time we won by three, wasn't he? I was surprised Cammy wasn't in charge. Let's come on, Harry. No, he didn't win anything. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, so we'll go into it. Yeah, Sam Lucas off, you know, goal from the halfway line. He'd keep his miles off his line, and see. Yeah, when he did, he hits it. I mean, he just passed it straight to Sam Lucas, and he went and shot and put it in the net. I did, I did wonder if he was the defensive midfielder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, the messy Davis. That's who the messy. He started our reserve team. Well, the thing is that I mean, but he's come in anti Davis, and I don't know. I still think he'd probably been worth a shout because. Portland still isn't at the races, is he, at times? Well, I know, I mean, I, I, it was just a, an all-round performance. I think it's like what Michael said, the Michael O'Neill, of course, first manager, we'll talk about him in a bit later anyway. First game, he'd only been in, he hadn't been in 24 hours, I don't think, before he gets his first win. Well, he wants to get his hands dirty, he straight away, he said that himself, so... Well, I mean, at first I was a bit sort of um, dodgy about Nathan Jones going, I thought, is anyone going to come in and fix this? And... I'm not going to say it's fixed because there was real problems with the back line again, but four goals creativity well. I mean, good movement all the way through the game. Tom Tom Ince impressed me as well. Well, yeah, I mean, he hasn't played for a while, has he? Not really, not not the amount of minutes he got. I mean, another one, Ryan Woods, has not played for a while. Come in and he did a great job. I've, I've, I've always rated to Ryan yeah, Woods. Yeah, we both have said that though, haven't we? I've always rated um, Ryan Woods. And even Mark and Michael O'Neill said that at the end of the game that he said Woods played well. Um, which hopefully gets given a chance now because I don't think uh, Rowett or Jones give him a chance really 
they gave him a couple of games and then bombed him out as soon as somebody was fit. But I was surprised, no and die or well I think Etowah was injured once, but no and die. Yeah, on the he bench. come on off the bench, doesn't he? But yeah. that's what I mean, especially how well he's been playing recently, people going, Oh my god, what are you doing? And it worked. Thing I mean, is, though, he, at the end of the day, we both said it when Jones was still in charge. He's come in. What did he do? He went straight back to basics with two yeah. wingers. That's like what it needs. Well, Sometimes when he's struggling, go back to the formation you learned and the way he played as a kid. Because let's face it, when you're a kid, he plays football. What it was always, you'd have two wingers, two up top, or do you know what I mean? There was yeah. very much little change in how you played. At the end of the day, when you're struggling, stick to what they've always been taught from a young age. And it worked. Well, it worked as well. One thing I noticed was that McLean was more wide and Tom Ince was more central. So it was like uh, we had one winger on the left and then Ince was more of a cam, like a right cam, which well, is where he likes drift, to play. Didn't he? he did drift at times. Yeah, that's what I mean. He, he was, I think he, this bloke knows what he's doing. I mean, I know it's early to judge, but he didn't even have training sessions and got a 4-2 win. I know Barnsley were a poor side, we have to look at that and go... I don't think they did too bad, though. I mean, they took their chances, well, I mean, that's the second goal of theirs was absolutely yeah, pathetic. It was straight through, defending. straight through when he was in and goal, you can't defend like that. I mean, I mean, yeah, but to be fair, we've got to be positive about that. It's a hell of a good result, that is 4-2, especially how ropey and poor we've been. I mean, he's not going to turn the defence around in 48 hours. There's, that's the be-all and end-all of it, isn't it? But this is where the board comes down and then Chapel. Can he work with O'Neill and will he get him what he needs in January to maybe push us on? I mean, the thing is, we've got a good run now. We've got Wigan next and Luton after that, isn't it? So, yeah. get three results in the next we're couple of games. We're well out the bottom three and you never know. We're not miles away from the playoffs. I'm not judging it as we're going to get there, but you never know, We just you? want to stay up, don't we? I mean, I mean, at the time, yeah, we do, but you never know. I mean, this is the thing about this league. It's so evenly matched that if Stoke go on a great run now and get go unbeaten in six, seven games, yeah. we could be right back up there. Well, it all depends on what we bring in in January, don't it? And what, well, yeah. what he's going to do in January. I mean, I'm, I'm getting weird feelings about the forward line now, because Gregory was brilliant again on and off the ball, but I don't trust him to score enough goals. I know he's scored three now, I know two were from the penalty oh, spot. Oh, City yesterday. I know, this is what I mean about him. I'm, I'm, I like him. out of sight, I think. But I'm, fi- I've getting, I'm getting feelings of Richard Creswell, I am. Could we put him on the wing instead of McLean? Because he's a nuisance, isn't he? Oh yeah, he's a nuisance, but he's quite strong, isn't he, as well? But he, he can he can muscle people off the ball, bring people into play. I mean, the thing is, we're talking about cams and stuff like that. Why on earth didn't we look at putting Clucas in camp? I know, his, his second goal was, was just as good as the first. quality. What an hit, that is. Yeah. It was first time and all. He's, he's great strength. that, and, it, and he's, it, it's, it's stayed at it it's well, it and To be honest, he's the best player this season so far. For me, early contender for player of the season, without a question of that. That's his fifth goal now, I think, as well. Top goal scorer. Yeah. For a player that we all thought we were writing off at the start of the season, not good enough, not this, that. But really. a player who keeps getting moved around by, obviously, I don't know, it would be two different managers now, but he's, I mean, since he come in, he's played at the back, he's, he's played, played in the midfield. Back, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, when you're seeing him make shots like he has done yesterday, I'd have put him nowhere near the defence, ever. But is that Michael O'Neill telling him just have a go? Because Nathan Jones might have been like, oh, you swear, he's just got an hit, that. And, that. and I'm wondering, has he just... This is what I mean about Michael O'Neill. Already I'm impressed, because he seems like a man-manager. Yeah. To do what he did with Northern Ireland... He's practically God over there. Well, I know, like, I couldn't believe it. I put loads of things on the Potters group page um, when I first went up. 
in, in the morning I thought bloody hell there's a lot of attention here like David, uh, David Ealy uh, came up and had a interview about him sports, Five Live were talking about him uh, Northern Ireland's own page put a thank you and yeah, you know, I've got that, a look yeah. and I put that up on the podcast page I think uh, to be honest uh, everything he's done so far has been a steadily improvement and this is his big chance in club football I'm not I'm a bit uneasy about him taking Northern Ireland on still for the next four games but I thought it's only two no I think it's it's four now uh, but yeah, I think it only depends he'll take four if the manager isn't in place the thing is though obviously because it, we're still at championship level there's no game as they so it's not directly affecting us and, and there's still a lot of players at Stoke who probably will travel weren't they as well yeah, well, I mean, yeah. it, was, it was great great to see the Stoke fans like they were yesterday. It was like a weight had been lifted and yeah. Conga went. A friend of the group, podcast group, um, Matt Pass, was out, was on the front of the line, wanted to <laughs> jump in about. I mean, he must have started the Conga, but no one was near him. No. Uh, probably didn't want to take the top off because it was a cold day yesterday. <laughs> top off on his, cold, own, on his own, on his own. Then there was a big line of Congas about... A metre behind. Yeah, not taking my Stone Island off some. <laughs> right, yeah, so like I say, a fantastic result. Michael O'Neill, I think, is the right man from what I'm seeing so far. I think he's a man manager, which is exactly what we need. And now we're going to move into the second guest. Right. This one isn't like Ben Rowley, we can't go, he's this, he's this, he's just Steve Turnbull who lacks a moan on, here, on his page. So get him involved. And he's here now. Hello, Steve, how are we? Hello, guys, how are we doing? No, not too bad, not too bad at all. So, a win. <laughs> Hurrah. Can you believe it? Hurrah. What a marvellous day. <laughs> I know it is, isn't it? I know, I'm still missing Nathan here. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. <laughs> the, the, yes, it was a win, but the thing I was most pleased about was the performance. We, we just looked organised straight away. Do you, not, do you not think the defence was still a little bit ropey, though, Steve, here and there? It, overnight is it no the things no. that pleased me most were it was no nonsense defending so when balls were coming in they were getting cleared the, the schoolboy errors seemed to be getting eradicated a little bit so for instance balls played down the wing instead of trying to control it and take it and play it out from the back it was just getting wellied and put into safety and I, I just think at the moment we need that yeah I mean the, the stats sort of show um, a change obviously normally we had quite a lot of the ball um, this time but uh, Barnsley had a lot more of the ball than us um, but obviously we were a little bit more clinical one with what we did with it so I mean do you not think the players just looked a lot happier yesterday the, the only thing that worries me slightly is obviously I think a lot of players you get a reaction out of them with a new manager so they've obviously got yeah. to build on it again um, because the thing is, I, I genuinely believe they would, he'd lost the dressing room anyway. So yeah. a new manager comes in, they've got to prove a point if they want to play. So I'm not going to judge him until we're six, seven games in, really. Yeah, I, I think even on the Thursday when, when I watched the, um, the first interview with him, the, the Welcome to Stoke interview, he just spoke well and I just felt safe straight away. I, I just liked what he had to say and he looked in control in the interview and he, he just confidence came out of him and you thought wow I mean how many managers would have said yeah I'll just watch on Saturday oh, plenty. Take things in. yeah I know what you mean yeah it's, it's been a he was just like no I'm in there I'm, I'm having this Saturday it's too important a game for me not to be involved in and it was just like wow yeah it, it, it was it, I think it pleased a lot of people that because a lot of people would have said well I, it comes down as I've lost the first game if I go straight in one training session 
But I think yeah. I think maybe the players reacted to that as well. I think they maybe yeah. came in and said, "Well, he only signed an hour ago, and he's on the training pitch. How much commitment has he got to the job?" So yeah, most most managers kind of gave them no excuse not to perform. Yeah. It's like I've been here for one day. I'm into this. You guys need to be, and yeah, I think you're right. I think players reacted to that. It was a, it was a leadership statement, really, right from the off. Well, I bet, I bet you devastated still, Steve, aren't you? That Pulis hasn't come back. Yeah, I'm a bit disappointed. In <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I, I think you've missed him last six, eight years, seven, eight years, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, I've done plenty of his phone number, so I can pop down for a cup of tea, but I, I don't oh, think yeah. that's going to happen. Matty, Matty, pass it to Ken Wynn. Pass it to Ken Wynn. <laughs> I don't know if you watched the, the championship highlights yesterday on, on on TV, but I mean, he was in the studio and was he? he looked kind of disappointed. I think I think Pulis thought he was going to get the job as well. He, he was. I've told you before, he's, 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 caught, he's totally skulls in him, never sort out to eye, and skulls basically runs the club now since Peter's stepped back a bit, so... There, there was never any any option. I mean, my option, to be honest, before O'Neill was appointed, I wanted Pulis to take us till the end of the season and then move upstairs. And what, what I wanted to talk to you about, yeah. really, was what do you think of the state of the upstairs at the moment at Stoke City? Oh, absolutely dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. And I think we've got too many people, non-football people, making football decisions. I agree, yeah, and, I agree with you. And I, I think that was my problem with... Um, with the appointment of Nathan Jones I said right from the start I know you think I don't like the guy I've got nothing against the guy I think he's a legend don't go too hard on Nathan (laughs) (laughs) I I just think that you've got a good young manager there learning his trade at Luton doing an absolutely cracking job he's only been to one place you know you kind of inherited a situation and and there wasn't too much expected of him at Luton and he'd done a cracking job and I think to then throw him into a job like Stoke where you know inherently we have all these problems upstairs and Well, I mean, my, my choice would have been to have seen Pulis obviously take over to the end of the season, stabilise the club and get and just change the mentality. And then I wanted yeah. like an, a complete novice, really. I wanted somebody who's like a top-level man like John Terry or a Scholes or a Giggs, somebody, yeah. that, somebody that's got clout at a big club. Because I think that's where we're going wrong a lot at the moment, where we loan in players, but we're loaning in basically other people's garbage that they don't want anymore I mean last season we did it with Martina and Williams this season we've done it with Hogan and uh, what's his name Duffy. Everyone, Duffy and I think when you look at Derby when you're bringing in Mason Mount who's now an England international playing in the Champions League same with Tammy yeah. Abraham at, at Villa I think at times the club's run under skulls but because he doesn't know football he's a money man isn't he and he just wants to make yeah. money but I, I'm still to this level that people I, I put a picture up not long ago and said is it time for new owners <coughs> which absolutely <laughs> which I got slated for but I expected that anyway I just wanted to get it out as a a view and a point just to see what people thought I've never been against the coach family but I think the problem is they put too much trust in the people under them and I think Skulls for me for what's been happening at Stoke over the last four years to see Skulls in that job is very frustrating to me and it must be to you too it it absolutely is and I think 
I'm full of admiration for Peter Coates. I mean, you know, he's he's local to the Stoke area, and I think he's got genuine love for the club. I don't think anyone can deny that. But I think you're right. I think he's passed over a lot of power to maybe the wrong people. And like you say, Tony scores. I mean, the guy doesn't know football, but he's not. You know, that, that's not a crime in itself. But you'd think he put people around him who would say, right, well, I don't know about this, so I'm going to get advice from you. Which I think Pulis was good at. I think Pulis was running a lot of things when well, he was there. And I think Scores has wanted to take over all these things um, without having the knowledge to do it and without being man enough to say, look, I've made a mistake and I don't know what to do. I need help. Yeah, yeah, I agree, yeah. Um, I think there's been a big problem with the club over the last couple of years because of that because oh. the problem is with Peter Coates where, where Skulls first came in you had Pulis and you had John Rudge and basically both of them were just going over Skulls and saying Peter I need this player and it's a big reason why Tony Skulls was trying to get rid of him in the first place and why him yeah, and Pulis always clashed because yeah. he just used to go over his head and uh, yeah I think but I think Michael O'Neill is, is the right appointment now, just from looking at him, I like the sounds of him, I like what he did with Northern Ireland, took him from 100 in the world up to the top 20, you know, he, he got him qualified for the Euros, and like I say, you could, for me you could always tell when a good manager leaves somewhere, when they're saying thank you and we're going to miss you and you've, you've done a great job. So yeah, so what's, another thing what I wanted to talk to you about is where, where did this love um, from Tony come from and this hate of Nathan Jones come from? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, um, I just I've never felt that I think when Pulis was there I just think the little things were right I just think the whole respect in the club was right I think he, he put good discipline into the club I just feel that what, what, once he got us up to the Prem I've never felt that in, a, in the ground really for a lot of years where everyone was pulling together you know even before the game and I mean what's happened to things like this uh, where's the flag gone that used to go around the ground at the start yeah we, we've talked about it's that it's a big before, question yeah. that is yeah you know uh, just things like that little things I mean I, I used to go to the ground at like sort of like 20 past 2 and get me seat because it was a great atmosphere you just want to touch the flag that's what it was you just want to touch that flag didn't you that's what it was Amazing atmosphere, the ground was banging. I think that comes down to promotion, though, don't you? That I mean, like Nathan Jones and I mean, Gary Rout, for example. I mean, to, to be personally honest, I thought Gary Rout was doing a good job. I think he was stabilizing. Yes, he'd wasted a lot of money, but again, I, I keep saying it. I don't think he gets the, the last two managers have got the players they wanted. I think that there's been a list of four and they've got to pick out out of that four who they want and I don't think any dis, any manager or a modern manager can work under them reasons really and that's why I agree with you that Jones are out bad choices because they're modern managers they work where they work closely with a director of football or a, a chief scout to get what they want rather than the chief scout giving to Tony Scholes well we can afford this we can't afford him can't afford him right here's, here's Nathan here's your list of four and he's like Stephen Ward's the best on here and that just shows you that you know but I think again that's maybe why I thought Jones was the wrong appointment because I agree I think all of that went on but can you imagine a more experienced manager being, and, and that's why people like maybe Sam Allardyce turned the job down because they knew they were going to put in that position but once Nathan Jones comes out at the start of the season and said I've got the players I want I'm happy with my free season yeah but he's not going to come out and go I'll tell you what they're absolute garbage I didn't sign a single one but we'll go with it I, I know he can't <laughs> say that but once he sits and gets interviewed and he says that I'm 
happy. I've got the players I want. This is everything I want. I'm ready for the season. Let's go. He's kind of put himself out on the line, hasn't he? See, and, I, so and I know what you're saying. It probably was told to say that, and he's been manipulated into the position where he's had to say that. But once he says it, he's kind of nailing his colours to the mast. See, I sort of disagree with you on the Pulis thing because I sort of think that we we both. I think fans, most fans, are architects of their own downfall because. If you think about when we got promoted, a lot of the fans had been there when we were in League One, when we'd watched the garbage that we'd watched for years and years. And Pulis, when we were in the Prem, we got to Europe, we got to the FA Cup final, and then there's a new generation of fans coming in, and they've only seen Premier League football. So then they expect expect that level of quality, and then it sort of got Pulis out the door in the end, because they were expecting more and more, whereas before... I remember a lot of lads saying to me when we first went up, I'd be happy if we finished 17th for the next five years. Because it was in the Premier League and that and that was all that mattered. Well, to be honest though, I think purely hit the shelf though. I think he hit the roof. He, I think he got to a point where... He wasn't going to take us any further. He wasn't going to take us any further. Oh yeah, I, I agree with Poppy. But I mean, my realistic target at the start of every season, I mean, when we got promoted, I was like, wow, we're in the Premier League. I expected to come straight back down. Yeah. But I thought for one season... We're going to see Man United at the Brit. We're going to see Liverpool here. It's going to be fabulous. Let's enjoy it. After the Bolton game. After the Bolton game, I thought we're done. <laughs> 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 you get I'll be honest. I, I think you're both negative. I, slap, I think you're both negative. I thought we're going to win the league. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, so after the Bolton game, you, you, you were sort of. I thought, I, thought that, that was, I thought that was the hit that we were going to take to go and win the league. Well, you know, obviously we're not taking them in like that. You know. Getting like Adrian Dolan, you Christmas that year, I mean, we, we were gushed what had it. And I, and I think, was, was that when he brought in James Beattie? Yeah, Beattie made, Everington and Beattie made the difference oh. that season. They, they did. He saved all big in that season. Oh, yeah, because we were I going down. There, I think the second season we were quite steady. And I, and I think I think we were from then we on. Were, we, were doing, we were doing all right. And my, my aim for really was just to stay in the Premier League and have a go at the Cubs. Well, we started picking up points away, didn't we? That was the thing. In the first season... Majority, was it majority of our points came at home I think we only won one game and drew two yeah. don't we and that's the thing and that was because the ground was all together and basically everyone was fighting together yeah. it, it felt good didn't it going to the game it, did, oh, yeah. it, was, it was good back then yeah there's no question that. I mean we, we go through to it I mean we got promoted that year I mean I got on the bottom of cry obviously and become quite famous yeah. at the time <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was it was a great time you know Ian from people who to me and say you Ian from Scotland he goes how did you know and you know I can remember getting us we got promoted and I can remember we, like I say we, we stayed up but we, we always felt comfortable apart from his last season his yeah. last season I did I, I, did I don't know what you I mean me personally I, I remember being at, it was the Villa game where uh, I think we lost 3-1 where Logan scored that absolute screamer from outside the box oh yeah I remember that yeah yeah. yeah. I think that's the first time I was in the ground and I thought ooh they're turning on him here and I, it's the first time I've ever seen his head go down and I, I think for me that was the time. game where, it turned, where I noticed it turn anyway mine was Fulham at home towards the end of the season yeah. I remember that game I think we won 2-0 and it's possibly the worst game of football I've ever watched that was the last match of the season wasn't it was it, it was dreadful because yeah. so I remember us beating QPR and that pretty much sealed us staying up because we got through that <laughs> But this is the thing, I think we might be a little bit architects of our own downfall because when we cut when we went down, 
there was a lot of fans between the age of sort of 17 to 25 who were going we have to go up we're a massive club we aren't we are a big club in a financial sense but at the end of the day we spent a lot of time in the lower divisions yeah. you've got to sort of know, know your level a little bit and sometimes you can sort of think you're a little bit too big for your boots there's plenty of other clubs that have done it Portsmouth Charlton the, Bradford they've all done it they've gone in the Prem thought they're this big time Charlie and it's not worked well, they, with them it was more financial problems weren't it yeah, with us yeah, it was just no ambition and poor signings because of no ambition I, really I just think like, I think where we were in the Prem I mean like I think we were one of the only clubs in the Premiership who, were, who weren't in heavily in debt yeah and we're, and we're in profit yeah, you have how to have we gone so wrong someone's got to answer for this how have we gone from that because of that that's the reason yeah. why, why we fell apart because you know we, we lost Arnie as talisman of the club oh, and yeah. we decided to buy a centre back when we didn't really need one we had Indy we had Zuma we had Shawcross we didn't need another centre back but they went and spent £18 million on a centre back and brought Chupu Moping on for now <laughs> Moping <laughs> <laughs> and brought Essie on loan who was too busy singing on X Factor. Yeah, but brought Bambi on X, yeah, and give, give away Robert Ruth for free. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, though, for five years, <laughs> for five years, we overachieved. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We, if you look, if you look back at Pulis' side, a lot of them players come from Sunderland. I mean, Everington yeah. turned out to be one of our best players. He had a massive oh, gambling yeah. problem when he was at West Ham. Yeah. He was all over the place. You couldn't get him in the side. He come in. Big, he's, that's why. <laughs> well, yeah. Where is he? Oh, he's down Cole again. Yeah. Should he be in there? He's working about three six five. Oh, come. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I know you do. The thing is, though, if we sat here in twenty years' time and said, uh, "What's your thoughts on Matty Etherington?" You go. Player. Oh, he's a great player for Stoke. Brilliant. That's that's the thing. You, the reality is, he, he was an absolute quality player for Stoke. And, and the thing is, we had some players who turned up at Stoke who probably looked at him on deadline day and went, "Why have we bought him?" And turned out we're one of the best players we've had. Well, I mean, he got better when we bought Michael Kitely and what's on in that. <laughs> Manager of players, wasn't he? I mean, people like say Jermaine Pennant, who'd been everywhere. And a nightmare. Yeah, nightmare. He's always been a nightmare. Yeah. He, 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 he's a nightmare. Time, he had him under control. Well, he, he did he, well that season, didn't he? He, he had two good seasons, then he, then he lost control yeah. of him again, didn't he? He started going yeah. out and ruining himself. Yeah. I remember being there, uh, was a weird Blackburn. And I remember he, like, he had an absolute blinding game, and everyone shot and signed him up, signed him up. Thing is, though, he was an Arsenal. Once he originally, he was an Arsenal player. He started at Forest, didn't he? And then made that big money. He was, I think, the most expensive youngster at the time, about five million at the time. And he went from Forest to. I mean, he's quite lucky getting at the contracts at Stoke. I mean, at the end of the day, he'd been about. I mean, he was on tag at Birmingham. Well, he was at Spain. Whilst playing. (laughs) We got him from Spain, didn't we? He was at Sociedad, wasn't he? Chris Coleman took him there. I mean, everyone forgets about that. What Chris Coleman going to Sociedad and. You know, he took Penn and said a few others with David Vaughan, the crew player, went yeah. Sasha Dad as well. I wonder if he was always hoping if someone had kicked that tag that hard that he could stay out of it. <laughs> <laughs> someone fouls and snaps me knee, at least I get rid of that and <laughs> go out on the ale. Is, is that when he popped his portion? Forgot about it. Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> he was like Berrini, but he wished he'd stayed in the car when it got compounded. <sighs> I mean that's like Lawrence though. I mean for all the love that everybody's got for Lawrence, yeah, he was him, from yeah. he's a Mansfield, Sunderland. I mean he's not Sunderland, yeah. Yeah, I mean he's not the greatest player, but for Stoke, oh he's brilliant. Wow. For Stoke, yeah. But that, I think that's why it works sometimes when you buy a player like Shakiri and you buy a player like Bojan who had 
like as let's be honest, Bojan was probably the best player I've seen for three months, and then that was it. You know, when, but when you're comparing for me, like someone like Peter Ucher or Liam Lawrence, there's there's no comparison to me because they achieve things where Bojan didn't, and Shakiri yeah. didn't, and Arnie didn't. I, I think at that time we became a bit of a um, home for sort of like unwanted puppies, didn't we? If I want to have a bit of a dog, all the players that weren't really fancied but, but came to Stoke and they were well organised and were given a second chance and they, they gave 100%. I mean, I love Dean Whitehead. Oh, I love Dean Whitehead, yeah. He, if there was something strange in the neighbourhood, who'd you call? Dean Whitehead. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know I forgot that song? <laughs> it's the most weird song, but I loved it. But why did Stoke fans like him? Because he was like an old-fashioned midfielder. He grafted. He grafted. Yeah. He'd get his foot in. He'd stick his head in where it hurted. Mm. Hurted. Where it hurted. Hurted. Michael, I would have Yeah. But that's the thing because Stoke's a working-class town. That's what people want. They mm. want graft. They want 110. percent We could. We're not bothered if you do flick overs or rainbow flicks or Cruyff turns. We want you to work hard. And the fans will get behind you, win, lose or draw. And the problem is... I think, that, yeah, I think that's all I ever expect. I just expect to come on the ground and I want 100%. Yeah. And I want passion. And there's times, that, especially in the Premier League, there's where I've walked out the ground where we've, you know, we've been done maybe by in the last minute by Chelsea as usual or, or we've come out and we've had a bit of a tanking. But yeah, you've seen Chelsea, 100% and I've come out smiling and I thought, heck, fair dudes. Yeah, I mean, that's why I think Atabo gets a lot of praise because you saw it last season where... He'd go barging through people, knocking people out of the way, get kicked, get back up again, he's carry good, on. He's got a good engine on him, yeah. I suppose he's a good player. Yeah. And, and, and the fans respond to that. They respond to that more than skill, I think, sometimes, Stoke. Yeah. If you graft, yeah. they'll get right behind you. I mean, even Monday night, I mean, against West Brom, I mean, it started off really poorly. But I think there was one instance in the first half where Sam Cook has put those three or four titles in. Yeah. And you heard the ground lift. It yeah. was flat. Yeah. But as soon as he did that, he, he got a real goal. He put three or four tackles in, won the ball, and then the whole ground lifted yeah. for five minutes anyway. They love it though, don't they? they I mean, I do. I love, I love players getting stuck in. I, I do. I mean, it's it's one thing that's been lost in the game right across every league mm. where you can't touch players without, oh, well, it was a bit of intent there. Well, it doesn't matter. He won the ball. That's how I was taught as a kid. Yeah. You touch the ball yeah. first, you've won the ball. I mean, don't get me wrong, though. the ball first, whatever goes with it, it's, it's fair game, isn't it? Well, Tony Adams had taken three ribs out, wasn't he? Oh, back yeah. at the <laughs> and David O'Leary. <laughs> the centre-back he was, David O'Leary, a good player. But, I mean, here's, here's probably the biggest question of the day. Who was a better player, Joe Allen or Daryl Russell? That's like Sophie's choice. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I, I've just thought about it there. I mean, I think they're very similar. I've got to put Bram on. You know, I'm a bit from Joe Allen, but I just, I just feel like... It, they need some sort of end product at the end of it. I mean, you just seem to get the ball and it always goes sideways or backwards. And, you know, you can't you can't fault the guys I've had. It's 100%. But, I mean, you know, we, we just need someone with that killer pass. And I just don't think Joe Allen does that for us. At I think we've always missed that in the middle for a while. I, I think we've missed that since yeah. Arnie, really. Because, I mean, Arnie used to get, grab the ball, run, run yeah, it but in the pitch. middle. We, we haven't had one of them for donkeys, I mean... Even Whelan, as good as Whelan was, if you watched him run with the ball, the minute he got on the edge of that D, he, his legs would buckle mm. and he'd pass it out he wide. Wants, he wants a good pass forward. He, he all, if he got forward, he'd always get get rid of it. I'd say the last decent player we had like that who could pass the ball forwards was Stephen and Zonzi, really. I mean, I can't think of anyone. Hey, we've never replaced him, have we? No. Never I wanted him. 50 million for him if yeah. I was manager. Well, I mean, we, we go back to it, don't we, over and over again. It's just, you know, why the hell didn't we just put that extra couple of million for Vitzel? It would have been a better sign, wouldn't it? 
it? Yeah. But again, if it's cutting the corners, it's going for the cheaper option, isn't it? Yeah, as you said before. That's the big problem. So, what? So, last bit then before we let you go. Uh, what do you think? Where do you think we're going to finish this season? Do you know what? I just, I just want to steal the relegation zone. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. I, I've just, I just think Michael O'Neill from the first interview, I felt safe. Saturday watching that, I just think he, he's gone back to basics and. As he said in the interview after the game, look, there's, there's a lot wrong, there's a lot of things I need to work on, but I just feel we're in safe hands, you know, he's, and as you said earlier, you, you look at the job he's come from and the, and the way he's been praised by the Northern Ireland fans, and I just think that says it all. So no, a bad way for him. no sneaking into the playoffs then? What's in this coffee? <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice, but I mean, I, honestly, the, the way I'm feeling at the moment, I'm just, I'm just pleased that it looks like we've steadied the ship, because if we go down this year, I think it's Armageddon financially wise yeah. um, I think it is know, anyway we need to stay in this league but I mean I think like we've got a good set of fixtures coming up now we've got uh, Luton soon as well and we've got Bart uh, no who's next now uh, I said it a minute ago uh, Luton we've got Luton Wigan, uh, Wigan. so we've got Wigan and Luton we've got, we've got two big games coming up where I think they're winnable if we, if we play like we did on Saturday. I mean, if we win both of those games and go on a good run from then on, you never know, do you? You never really know. It's a, it's a pretty average league at the moment. Derby lost again this weekend, didn't they? I mean, we're not exactly miles away from the playoffs, so I'm having that positivity that we could do it. I'm not saying we it can, but fantastic, yeah. you never I mean, know, do you? I think with them, I've seen, it, I've seen a comment, I forgot what I've seen it now, but I mean, seeing that he might have some money to spend in January. Does he spend that money in January? Or does he hang on to it and wait till the summer? Because, I mean, we've got a huge playing staff at the moment. Um, how is he going to unload some of that? Oh, we're going to have to get rid. We're going to have to get rid. I mean, Absolutely. To be honest, a lot of the players Big that have come in this season, I think, need paying up and gone. Jordan Cousins for a definite one. Uh, Duffy, yeah. like I mean, who sanctioned those signings, you know? I mean... Well, this is what I mean. I, I think, you know, when people say to me, Nathan Jones, this, that and the other, he didn't get backed. Net spend, he only spent about two million. So yeah. I, can't, I can't really. I mean, he put he, he tried to build a squad to get promoted with free transfers and and loans of rubbish. You know, I, I, I'm never going to sit here and well, say he was a bad manager. No, I, I, like I said earlier, I think the guy's going to be a good manager. I just think it was too early to give him that job, and I, I think we kind of stitched him up. And I, I, I never felt comfortable. I, I don't think Jones knew his best side. He was sticking with his diamond, and I mean, you know, I, I'm not involved in professional football. I'm a fan, but I was watching thinking. Too narrow. We're getting skinned on the outside. He's dropping James McLean back. Well, that's the because left side. we didn't buy any You could see teams targeting the ball out to that side, and McLean was getting skinned, and crosses were coming in, and we're conceding from them. I, th- I think straight away from the start of this season, he was he was um, he was basically cut adrift by the club, wasn't he? Because he, he didn't get his what yeah. he wanted. He didn't get wing backs in. If we had got wing backs in, we'd be in the t- we'd be right up there. We'd be in the top ten now. If he got yeah. if he got Stacey and he got James Justin, we'd be in the top ten now without without, yeah. without a problem. Not great. See the problem is that like, just too many square pegs and round holes, really, isn't it? And yeah, making do. And and to be honest, he was sold down the river once. He let's be honest. Well, Cousins and Ward. I think the problem is is if he's gone in and asked for players that he wants and he said no, he's probably gone for Cousins because he's worked with him before. Yeah. it's like better the, yeah. better the devil you know, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Well, I know him. I know what he's like. I know what he's like in training. Yeah, but you don't. 
always bargaining yeah, but he was, on, he, he was, it's, it's all he could get probably at the time that's what I mean and it's so, saying Ward as well he'd work with Ward so didn't he this is what I mean I mean if Michael O'Neill gets what he wants because apparently there's a few decent youngsters at Northern Ireland now if you can get two or three of them in and they push on you never know do you but you know like Peter Coates says what's all the fuss about well you'll probably come out and say that if we win the next three won't you <laughs> <laughs> right. what you said earlier about, about the impact that a manager has in the, in the contact he's got in the game I mean I was never a big fan of Mark Hughes getting the job but what he did bring to the club was he had he had good contacts yeah. you know he, he was well respected in the game so we would never have gotten Bojan had it not been been for Mark Hughes you know yeah that's why I, that's why I said somebody yeah. like a John Terry being a yeah. man it doesn't matter now he speak to Frank I think Derby's are still going to benefit from the Frank Lampard link yeah yeah. because he left them on good terms didn't he so well they'd never assign Rooney they'd never assign Rooney it was, only, yeah. it was only through what, what went on last season why Rooney was ever attracted well, to a contract I think, I think he's the future manager isn't he let's be honest I think he, he'll go in next as manager Rooney yeah. um, I do I think he'll be a next manager yeah. I think they're going to try to do what they did with Lampard with Rooney I think they're going to try to do it again. I don't think he's got it in the locker. Well, I, I didn't think Frank would, but he clearly has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's doing great now. Let's face it, Frank Lampard, I wasn't sure, but he's done a cracking job, hasn't he? I mean, let's be honest, Frank, Frank Lampard was nowhere Glenn Whelan, was he? Uh, I despise Chelsea. Now I actually enjoy watching them. Mm, they're a good side now. The, 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 even the older players, the senior players, they look right bang up for it now under Frank. And and you just think, like you say, a young well. manager. Maybe with O'Neill, though, it's that commanding respect. Yeah, well, he's, he's, that he's sort been of around, hasn't he? And this is, he, to, yeah. me, to, but to him, it is a fresh start. Yeah, it is, yeah. So it's one of them things. Now, so before we let you go, Steve, a, go- a hard question for you now. Who was the player that got you into being a Stoke fan? Gordon Banks. Gordon Banks? Gordon well, Banks. Can't get much better than that, game, can you? First game as a kid. Um, so it was, what, 1969, yeah? 1969, yeah, yeah, first Stoke yeah. game. And I remember me, I'm not, I'm not bore you too much, but as you can hear from my accent, I'm from a North East originally. Which probably, Jen, you're too monkey angry, are you? <laughs> <laughs> if I tell you the name of the town, I'll skate the pieces of the ordinance to remember. I'm from a little town called Blythe. Remember Blythe Spawns? Oh, oh, God, oh, yeah. oh, don't tell me that. Well, you feel, feel my pain here. I was born in the North East. We moved to Stoke when I was two. My dad was a miner. Yeah. So he was a big Newcastle fan, but he took me to Stoke games because he wanted to take his son to games. So I've always been a Stoke fan from being six, seven-year-old. But when we moved back to Blythe, and we come back up here, it was the year Blythe actually knocked Stoke out of the cup. If you said so, that, if you'd said that to me, Daddy would have cried and stopped the pod at that. Point. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine my pain. I, I just I remember trying not to go to school next day. Well, I, well, I would have born. So <laughs> I, I wish I could say I remember so it well, but I want to read. There you go. <laughs> right. So another tough one. Who's the worst player you've seen in a Stoke shirt? I was talking recently. I was going way back. Whenever, whenever you want. Just worst, worst player. I mean, we we just did an interview with him. Um, Ben Rowley off YYY Files, the podcast. Yeah. It's a good podcast, guys, if you haven't listened. He, he struggled, but then came out of Michael Kitely. So I want to hear what yours is. <laughs> the, the one that's mystified us more than anyone else, I've got to say, is Juf. Every, every time the guy put a shirt on, I thought, what does he do? <laughs> what about his first season when he scored 15? Yeah, but even then, I mean, remember the goal he got at Man City? I, mean, I don't want to disrespect the guy, but I mean, he ran the length of the pitch, he was fast, and then miskicked it. 
everything he seemed to do seemed to be miss kicks or miss headers or he never for me offered anything I, 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 that's probably the player that's most disappointed me in recent years anyway well you've, you've shot me Steve I've got to be honest I, I mean I put, I, when he was first season I thought we'd, we'd bark both the next pally <laughs> I'm sort of glad he said Jeff because the problem is you, you ask the same people they say the same things in a, in a way, you get to say, oh yeah, it's yeah he's shot me, that has, yeah, he has shot me. He hasn't me. got yeah. no natural ability though, has he? No, he, he is crap, we know who, <laughs> when he was crap, there's, there's, no, there's no question about that. But I mean, what about Carl Lightbone, Moedu? I mean, Juan Agadella was crap once, he didn't even get trained. <laughs> <laughs> He was disappointed after the first season, he really was. But yeah. that first season, he, he impressed me, to be honest. But, yeah, like, I know what you mean. Right, cheers for that, Steve. So, uh, hey, I've really enjoyed it. It's nice to speak to you guys in the flesh, as you say. Yeah, well, you can come on again it's, if if you're ready. We'll we'll text you another time when we, we can fit you in, and we'll we'll bring you on again. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Right, cheers for that, mate. Thanks Absolutely. for that. Hey, guys, that's uh, Let's hope we can crack on this season now, eh? Uh, we will. Don't you worry, he'll be in the Premier League next season. <laughs> I don't know what you're laughing at. <laughs> anyway, thanks for that, mate. Turn up. Okay. Thanks, guys. Take care. Two guests this week. Haven't we spoiled some this week, haven't we? Haven't said much today. <laughs> haven't said much now, have we? <laughs> it's the quickest one I've ever done, even though it's the longest. <laughs> yeah. Right, so we'll go into the polls and the quit in the questions first question here from ted martins he's asked will michael o'neill be the first choice and will he get what he wants in january will he be the first choice <coughs> well uh, with the fans yeah, yeah um i think everyone was pretty divided i mean i know i know there's a lot of Pulish fans out there still but i don't think he wanted to come back personally i don't think he wanted to tarnish his reputation at the end of the day he's got a great reputation at stoke and the thing is before Yesterday's result, we looked dead and buried. Whereas tonight, you're looking at it going, well, maybe there is a little bit of hope. Do you know what I mean? If you start playing like that, then you will pick up points. It's as simple as that. And obviously, he's still got the January window considered. So, yeah, I think uh, he he could, like you say, I don't want to start jumping up and down and ordering an open top buzz just yet. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Let's just see how it goes for a bit first. Well, Rod Waters has asked. Definitely a massive improvement in this side, and is that the best result in the last couple of years? Oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, pinching myself a little bit. I mean, seeing the lads at the front doing the conger and stuff was, it was like, I don't know, it was like rolling back the years a little bit, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a great result, I can't argue with anything about it. Tom Johnson's asked, um, will crew be bringing in a spare liner, just in case, <laughs> in case it happens, and I'll go through what happened, apparently two refs went down injured in the crew game they had to wait an hour at half time not too good is it it's not in that sort of ground I mean the thing is if it happens at Stoke everyone just gathers in the concourse don't they has a few beers probably open the doors for people who won't go out for a smoke and stuff it's it crew do you know what I mean they'd all been sat in the seat dithering the wind was blowing last night and you just think I'd have just gone home I think who were winning anyway I know yeah it's 2-0 <laughs> at that time wasn't it crew let's give up <laughs> Glenn Poole's asked, where do you think we need improving January? So, Michael O'Neill. Defence? Defence, without a doubt. I mean, the thing is, I mean, obviously, Ryan's going to come back in, isn't he, at some point? Um, Because, I mean, I can't really deny that Bruno's not doing all right, is he? I mean, he's come in, he has 
leaked a few holes here and there, but I think it's still the same problem. I don't think Danny Bart's good enough, I don't. It, it just looks so out of his depth. How he's managed to get a career at championship level for as long as he has, I don't know. Well, I mean, if you look at his record at Wolves, he's he's technically been a, been a good player, hasn't he? He's, he's had bits and bobs, hasn't he? But Someone was covering his back a lot. He must have been, because I don't see it. Not for me. There's a lot of players yesterday, looking at them before yesterday's game, you'd have said they won't be here come the end of the year. And a lot of players did well, Ince being one of them. I mean, Woods. I mean, Woods could be his guy, by the looks of it, because he came in yesterday and, and dominated the game at times. I mean, McLean, I, mean, he's, I know he's not well-liked, but he caused him no end. The problems first off. Yeah, he played well. He yeah, played well. He did well yesterday. And the thing is, he does get a lot of bad press. I get that. But the thing is, he is a winger. And if you let him get at you, he will cause problems. He's not a wing back. And the thing is, like I said earlier, O'Neill's gone back to basics, and it, it obviously worked yesterday. Well, it was square pegs and square square holes. Uh, so it got him an award. So you know, well, it was square pegs and square holes, no, wasn't it? It was, it was just how it makes sense. Uh, Sam Jones has asked here: Will Lee Gregory be good enough this season? That, you know how I feel. He works hard, mate, but he's another one who I don't. I don't think he's good enough he's the sort of player that if you backed her against the wall and you needed somebody to come in and, and lead the line maybe maybe you'd have a man sent off or something you want someone who's going to hold the ball up and, and waste time he, he, he's that sort of player but he missed some right sitters yesterday I, I, so I, I, but I mean I feel if we put him in the left side and do like similar to what Pulis did with Creswell that promotion season make a nuisance of him on the left side and then I don't know maybe bring Vokes into the middle as striker or I don't know or bring somebody new in in, in January I mean it's still up in the air on Gale isn't it really would that be a, a good decision give Scott Hogan back and pay that money to get Gale in well the only way you're going to get Gale in is if we start improving at the end of the day we've got what now two months really just under two months to start improving if we're sort of if we do start picking up points and we're mid-table then maybe Gale will go yeah alright I'll come in but as far as I'm concerned that's another reason we need to start picking up points because you will not attract anybody not to a relegation dogfight not unless they're not getting game time whatsoever and, and maybe the like a young lad who's trying to get games Gale's not a young lad is he there's two or three clubs in the championship who want to at the end of the day Stoke's got to be an unattractive option at the moment but obviously if things improve then maybe we could get somebody like Gale well Luke Kyle's asked with the upcoming fixtures do you think there's a chance that we could have a late push I mean we've got Wigan at home next we've got Cardiff away we've got Blackburn at home we've got Hull away Luton at home I think they're good fixtures I do I mean then we've got Reading after Luton Middlesbrough are down there with us after that I mean I think that's Michael O'Neill coming at the right time I mean, well, if he can get a good run there. Yeah, I mean, them are, them are all fixtures that, on paper, you should be looking at getting results. But the thing is, at the same time, if you lose a few of them, then to me, you're dead and buried. Because there's some good sides in this league. And at the end of the day, yeah, fair enough. I'm not going to try and take the gloss off yesterday. But it was Barnsley who were down there with us. And they still scored twice. We've still got a hell of a lot of work to do before we start thinking... Oh well, we're going to start flying up the table all of a sudden because at the end of the day, yeah, fair enough, we scored four goals, it was great, but at the same time, we need to start plugging these leaks at the back. I mean, obviously, you, you could do it the way the Barcelona way was, we'll score more than you, but you're not going to do that against the top six. No, the top side are going to have to change, but, but saying that, we haven't got them, to, I think, till next year anyway, so like I say, we've got a good set of run there. Right, so we'll go into the polls now. I put up on uh, Twitter and Facebook, do you feel 
relegation will be avoided under the guidance of Michael O'Neill. 91% uh, said yes, they feel like we, we might stay up now, and uh, these miserable people who've said no, but there's only a majority of nine. Uh, I also put up who do you think was man of the match on Saturday. I put Tom Ince, Sam Clucas, Lee Gregory and Joe Allen. Sam Clucas obviously absolutely destroyed it with 88%. Tom Ince was six, Gregory as well was six. Yeah. And uh, Joe Allen with his massive zero. So, yeah, I think that's right. I think people have chose right there. And uh, now we'll go into the women. Yeah, another great win for the ladies. They're on fire, aren't Three they? Now. Um, goals from Faye McCoy, usual. Um, Abby Hunt and uh, I can't even say her name. Rosie Givell. Rosie Givell. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're gonna. I, th I don't think they're gonna catch Sunderland. I mean, they fly in Sunderland. They've only they've only drawn one game. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, all you can do is keep winning, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you, you got. I mean, losing to them, I think last week, one six Sunderland's gonna hit them hard. Yeah. But like I say, they're playing well. Hopefully, we're, I'm going to try and see if we can start getting some of these on the pod, really. Start so we can start talking to some of the women. Not only get them dating, like, but you know, <laughs> just just to you know get get the women's game out there on the pod. I think we'd be the only people doing it at the time, and we'll see if we, if we can do it. How do the reserves get on? They won two one as well. Um, don't think they've played for a while because of the weather. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, and every time I've looked at it, they've said off, 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 and Jodie Foxall with a goal and Jordan Sloan. That was the reserve cup. It's actually a cup game that was um, against Loughborough Foxes, which are in the base team league as well. Good um, result, then. Yeah. Result. So at the end of the day, the, the ladies are flying. It's like like I said last week, we could do a go another game really. Yeah, we will eventually when everyone's all right. We'll go and watch the ladies. I'll try get an interview with Chloe Drew. Yeah, so it must have done them a load of confidence when when they played at the Brits. Yeah, really. Because I mean that should have been nineteen bloody what one that should oh, have been. Yeah, I mean at the end of the day, it, it's it's got to be good for a confidence boost for them, and um, I think it's good for kids as well. If you're taking in the first game, mm. there's no well, there's no pressure there, no anger and. Yeah, it's a good place to go. I think it's a good, good place. If you've got little kids or little girls and you want to get them introduced into Stoke and get them used to it, it's, I think it's a good place to go. It's, it's not exactly dear as well, is it? So. No, I mean, I, I did I pay a pound for Slade, I think. Sure, I only paid a pound for it. And, and and the thing is, we were free because we had a season ticket. Yeah, you can't beat that, can you? Not really, really no. It's petrol money, isn't it? I mean, really? I said you could charge the adults a couple of quid as well. Mm. But you can guarantee someone would come on and go, I'm not paying two pound. <laughs> no, yeah, even though it's, it's helping. <laughs> yeah, it's two pound. Even it's helping a team that doesn't get any money and they have to support themselves yeah. so yeah this week's been a very good pod if anyone wants to get in touch like Steve Turnbull's and Brain and wants to get on the pod always welcome you'll always got a place on we're trying to get more towards the fans now and I think we're doing a good job Stoke are winning now and I think promotion's on the on the cards so we all need to get, <laughs> get behind them and get, get through to it so uh, thanks thanks for listening uh, ta-ra ta-ra all the best